0: This is the Anatomy of a
1: Scream Pod Squad Network. Don't
0: be a pussy, laser my fucking tits. And welcome to the Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series, The Boys, and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams.
1: And I'm Rachel Reeves. And today we are talking
0: about season two, episode three, I'm subtitling this, The Helicopter and the Whale, because there's <laughs> some shit goes yes.
1: down. <laughs> some ex- Yes. Yeah. Serious stuff. I was yeah. telling you before this, like, there was some stuff that I was not expecting to happen so soon, but I am not mad at it. Mm. Um, also, I have to tell you. So today, um, yeah, it was at a work marketing thing, brand <laughs> session, fun jam session. And the lady in charge of it as she was closing actually, actually had the nerve to say, but you guys are all the real heroes. <gasps> and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, she's
0: Homelander. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's like the kiss of death now. <laughs>
1: it's like was, we yeah, know exactly. what you mean. <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? Then, yeah, looking around and nobody else, you know, was anywhere uh, like paying attention. But I was like, oh, okay, I yeah. see, I see you. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, starting to see her in a different light now. Huh? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Never, I will never forget that.
0: <laughs> was there a little red glow in her eyes as she said it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. Wow, lady. Creepy. Well,
0: and we're going to see that come out of a lady's mouth in this episode, too. So, (laughs) Um, But all that in due time. This is one of those episodes, I'm really excited to talk about it because I feel like I knew what was going to happen, but because I had not been... Paying attention to the level that I was going to talk about it and need to discuss mm-hmm. it and like take notes, I had forgotten about a lot of key things that happened in this episode. Like, I just remembered the whale thing because right. the whale thing tends to overshadow a lot of other things. And uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it. And I think there's a lot that goes down here. But before we get to there, let's talk about the real world in a category we call Huey Cutie in the News.
1: Yeah, so guys, we're gonna keep this short <laughs> and sweet because <laughs> those are those are crickets.
0: <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that uh. works for me. <laughs> Play a teeny tiny violin.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. With the ongoing strike, everything's been pushed back, so not a whole lot going on. Um, however, Eric Kripke did retweet a post that somebody made comparing Ron DeSantis's facial tics to Homelander's in a Ooh. side-by-side video. And it was pretty uncanny. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I could see that. Except Mm -hmm. one is a
0: a strange little troll and the other is devastatingly handsome in his evilness. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. mm, interesting.
1: Yeah. So that's about it. So, but I don't know. Also, both
0: created in a lab, you know, it seems.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would seem. Both struggle to
0: be human. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep both struggle to be human both you know uh, very I, that's enough anyways yeah. yes There's, it's
0: there... <laughs> it was <laughs> Write funny <your> one star <laughs>
1: reviews just do it people <laughs> hey eric kripke that's true it's it. eric kripke. we're just i'm reporting just, the news i'm just re- yes exactly, exactly.
0: so <laughs> uh all right well today's episode is sadly not called the helicopter and the whale um, it is called Over the Hill with the Swords of a Thousand Men. And our description, this is, I think this is the season where they started to get really creative with these. Attention. If you or a loved one were exposed to Compound V, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Vought has given the drug to multiple victims without their knowledge or consent. If you believe that or a loved one were administered Compound V, call the firm of Bremer and Bremer at one eight eight. 1772774 for a free legal consultation know your rights. I kind of want to know if those numbers spell something.
1: <laughs> I know, maybe we should call it. <laughs> Cuz it's not a
0: 555, five, five, you know. Right. Yeah. We may do some off-pod investigation.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so this episode was directed by Steve Boyum and okay, this dude seems pretty damn cool. I've kind of loved Learning about these different directors every mm-hmm. every episode, just because some of them, it's I don't know their names, but they have done some stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know their work, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So this guy got his start in the industry as a stunt performer, which is pretty Ooh. cool. And he did stunts in over 60 films, including, wow. but not limited to Apocalypse Now, Predator, Mega Force, The Ooh. Beastmaster, <laughs> True Lies. And uh, Mr. Holland's Opus.
0: <laughs> Man, that explosion scene at the very end, where the opus just goes flying—yeah,
1: the concert falls. epic. Like, yeah, <laughs> I do uh, love that movie, though. <laughs> I, I I know. I I just every like time a sub would and banned somehow that's like that's the only movie we are allowed to watch Uh, so I feel like I have watched that movie a lot Mm. so yeah lots of really cool stuff pretty much anything cool in the 80s like this guy was doing stunts in so that's pretty awesome and then after that he moved into cinematography and directing And yeah, all in all, this guy claims to have worked on over a thousand films and TV shows in one way or another. And I believe him because (laughs) it just seems like he's got his hands in a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, it looks like he has a Gen V credit pending on his IMDb. So it looks like he will be returning to the world of the boys.
0: Ooh, I always love it when performers kind of step behind the camera, especially for things like stunts and action, because you know they have like an understanding of that mm-hmm. on like a, a grander level and i feel like they know
1: how to capture that and there are a lot of really cool stunts in this one that yeah, yeah. and and how to do it safely and how yes. to you know mm-hmm. make it look good but also not be asking too much of the performers and yeah. so it makes a lot of sense that they would bring him on for an episode of this show and then this episode in particular yeah cuz we get i mean yeah there's kids flying off roofs so
0: oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's quite a bit. And it. I don't think it's like there are a couple of episodes down the road that I can think of that have some other fights, but this one's mm-hmm. got quite a bit like there's there's combat, you know, Then yeah. there's like effects that you have to work with. And then there's just a lot. There's a lot of shit going on. So yeah, yes. I think you need somebody who has a very well rounded understanding of how to bring that to the screen. Well, speaking of, uh, let's catch back up to what's been going on with our soups in a category we call sup with the soups. So in our last episode, Homelander was playing house with Becca and Ryan. It was awful and terrifying. <laughs> Becca's essentially trapped and Butcher will do anything to protect her, including turn on Kimiko. I originally had Becca's essentially fucked and then I changed that because... Mm. Oh, it just like, it's like a gut punch, you know? Yeah. And it does not end with that episode. Spoiler for this episode. Speaking of Kamiko, it turns out the super terrorist, super villain, pardon me, is her long lost brother. They share a sweet moment that leads to a super sibling spat and Kamiko ultimately helps the boys capture him. Maeve loves Elena. We get a little sweet scene with them, but she's afraid of Homelander starlight's got the compound v but surprise a train's back and he knows what's up also side note i do not think starlight and gecko are gonna be dating anytime soon
1: yeah i think that
0: yeah that train has left the station (laughs) yeah but she takes a little advice from her new bestie stormfront and threatens a train right back hashtag girls get it done all right so instead of moving into bad boys I think I want to start with one thing I've got on the list for shock and awe, because I think it sets the tone for the whole episode. So Compound V has been leaked to the media. It happens pretty soon after the episode begins. And I think it really colors a lot of this episode. And I think we see, like, I think we'll talk about some of this as we go through the characters. But I think I thought it would be better to talk about this as a whole and how it affects the various soups
1: oh yeah i was so surprised i was not expecting it to happen this way i guess because it's just there's there's a gap in what happened right like we mm-hmm. see obviously starlight has it and she, yeah she has that altercation with a train and then all of a sudden it's being reported on the news so it's like oh my god she did it mm-hmm. and i well at least i'm assuming she did it um i'm assuming that's what happened there but just bam there it is on the news and just all the fallout that you see immediately, especially Ashley, just like having a heart attack. I can't even imagine what that would feel like to just see it pop on your phone and be like, wait, what? No,
0: exactly. Yeah. And I love the moment where she she can't get out the door. Too. Yeah. <laughs> like, Come on.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and we're, you know, we're going to talk about uh, probably Mr. Edgar and how the the, the cover-up starts to happen, or not exactly cover-up, but, like, the the messaging. that Yeah, how the they spin. handle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really interesting is seeing all of the soups react to this, because we knew yeah. Starlight knew, we knew right. A-Train knew, and we knew um, Homelander knew, but did you see Black Noir crying?
1: Mm-hmm. I know hey. there's a few moments like I love a good black noir moment and mm-hmm. there was a few in this one yeah but so which is kind of surprising I guess because it seems like black noir sort of has a good relation I mean he's been there forever right and has a decent relationship with Homelander. so it's like you kind of assumed maybe he would he's quiet but I feel like he's a guy that like knows things right yeah. like he's clearly very aware of his surroundings so to see him like reading that news and At least appearing to take it, like, kind of hard Yeah, was a little surprising.
0: Yeah. Like, he's always doing the dirty work. So to learn that he has not been involved in this dirty work, he didn't know about it. And, I mean, we don't know for sure that he didn't know about it. We're just kind of assuming. I think it's pretty clear. But it also could be, like, this... I wonder how this is going to affect their standing for the rest of the world because they have been saying God chose us, you know, and yeah. now they can't say that anymore, you know. But I do think that it's that he didn't know. We definitely know that the deep didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, man, uh, I keep – feel like we always – I always sing Chase Crawford's praise, but, like, this scene and his delivery of this is both so touching – and hilarious. Like when
1: he yeah. talks about like red lobster. <laughs> it's like that it's Oh my it, God. That's what's so funny to him because it's like he's telling this story. And I just imagine like being a child and mm-hmm. like because he, he's talking about when he's a kid, like hearing these screams and just how just incredibly terrifying that would be and not mm-hmm. really understanding why that's happening or why you can hear that and nobody else can. And mm-hmm like that's terrifying but it's also so funny i know (laughs) just because i I guess because it's fish i get i feel bad like i'm a vegetarian like i shouldn't (laughs) like i i don't eat meat because Mm. i don't eat fish but just i guess the thought of these little goldfish just like (laughs) oh yeah
0: and it's just his delivery i think sometimes too like it just he's so serious yeah, And then he'll just say, and love-. it's like when he just says, like, blizzards and stuff. It's that kind of just sneaking in that mm-hmm. super deadpan, super self-serious moment. But yeah, I, and I think, like, the more we get to know Deep and see how he's kind of treated by others, because there's another moment in this episode that made me feel really bad for him. Mm-hmm. I think, it, again, it does not excuse anything he has done, and it does not make him a good person. But I think it informs a lot of what he does because yeah that would have been awful and he says I could have been normal yeah. and it makes me wonder if he would actually have wanted to be normal like if he would have wanted to just be like the hottest guy at your high school you know with no gills and you don't ever get famous but you don't have these gills that he's super ashamed of
1: you know he would have been in Gossip Girl he would well, have that's been true. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's that's, true. The, that's like the deep if he would have been just raised normal
0: it'd be like the mayor the upcoming mayor of new york city (laughs) embroiled in a scandal every like three or four years you know yeah that's the thing
1: (laughs) it's like would he still be i guess like i guess i'm judging him because he's so beautiful but like would he like that would like that doesn't change i don't think compound v necessarily affects People in that way, it seems like, anyways, like it doesn't make them like ultra attractive. Even though all these people are clearly ultra attractive, yeah. Um, Of course, they're also
0: on TV too. Yeah, that's
1: (laughs) true. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, would he still be kind of an egotistical, arrogant, kind of jerk or like goof? You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I have this theory, and I could be completely off about this, but I have this kind of ill-formed theory about really good quarterbacks and I think Mm. that like if you are super hot that helps you become a better quarterback because there's a certain level of confidence that you need to have Mm. that position you know and to make to not second guess yourself and I think people that have grown up looking like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and uh yeah oh Patrick Mahomes man like I think there is an element of confidence that doesn't necessarily make you a good quarterback, but it helps. And yeah. I wonder if that is an element of compound V is it's just, you grow up without the self-confidence or the self-consciousness that a lot of other people have, except for deep, who's got these gills, you know? Right. And most of the soups from what we've seen don't have like physical adaptations to their bodies. Like they can kind of pass,
1: you know? Yeah. So- but it's- it was also interesting, too, because we see him, like, feel like this is his moment. Like, it's mm-hmm. like this news breaking. And then, you know, the ramifications of that, obviously, it's like his opportunity. Like, this is my time to yeah. like get back in because this big thing has been revealed. And so now I can go back and I don't know, it's like it changes things. And they need his help, I guess, with the yeah. whole butcher situation. And, it's a water yeah. adjacent crime. <laughs> I know that's true. Yeah. He's like they're on a boat this exactly. is my moment
0: <laughs> which and speaking of, why don't we go ahead and move into our bad boys category and let's talk about the deep because he has a big episode um in he does a lot of great stuff like we start with him at this really low place I, in my notes I wrote post mating
1: Papa John's always helps at, at least for a moment. I feel for like
0: <laughs> it's gonna yeah. cause some problems, but yeah. You know.
1: About a few hours later, you'd be like, oh, what have I done?
0: Right, exactly, yeah. but that the garlic used to be sauce my... was a bad idea. Uh-huh. We used to call that cholesterol sauce. <laughs> that Domino's thin crust pepperoni and – no, it was Papa John's. It was cheesy bread and thin crust pepperoni. That would be like my after bar treat. Mm, and I mm-hmm. would just get home and like house it and then wake up just feeling like shit. Yes. <laughs> Combination of a lot of things, but you know. Um, But yeah, I think that is a pretty clear indicator of how low he's he's gotten, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he gets this. We've we've still got Eagle the Archer and Carol who come in there like this is your moment. You can get back into the seven. But it's such an like an exploitation of his powers, you know, and I really feel for him in this moment because like he knows this whale's name and he essentially gets this whale killed. He gets—I'm assuming these are killer whales or sharks or something. But like, mm-hmm. I'm sure some of them get hit with those machine guns, you know. So they're yeah. chasing the boat down, and like these fish and mammals, aquatic mammals may not mean anything to Homelander and Vaught, but they mean something to him. And yeah. to see that dismissed, I think just kind of puts the goldfish begging for their lives thing into context too, where it's like how much. How many times has he had to hear these fish die, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's like, (laughs) poor, poor, beautiful, stupid, deep. Like, it's like he never, (laughs) he never intends to hurt these creatures. I know. But yet, they always seem to suffer at, Mm. you know, the hands of his decisions. And yet, he's still, like, it it is his superpower. So he continues to involve them time and time again. Mm -hmm. And that's like such a terrible position to be in because it's like what else is he gonna do i guess i mean he can swim and i'm assuming he can breathe underwater and he can have these you know conversations with these creatures but Mm -hmm. he needs them to help him to do things and but then he has to put them in harm's way which he does i i can't believe i was so shocked i can't believe butcher just just drove like just went right through that way (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was curious about how this scene plays out because I remember watching it the first time. I was definitely not expecting Deep to, like, rise triumphant from the surf and like mm-hmm. riding the whale. And he looks so dynamic. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's why he's a superhero," you know. Um, so yeah, what? Ha, just tell me how you reacted to this scene. I mean, this is one I, of the ones that I wish we could have watched together. You know. Yeah.
1: I thought it was cool. Like, Mm. I mean, you see the sharks coming and you know immediately it's like, oh, it's the deep. Like Mm -hmm. he's like doing this, like he's going after him. I thought that was really cool. And then he comes up on the whale. But I guess, I guess the deeps, you know, Achilles heel (laughs) of many, I guess (laughs) he's got more than one, but it's like he underestimates how people, other people value these creatures. It seems like, you know, I think that, you know, he sees them differently and can never imagine that Butcher would just drive a boat through the center of this whale. Mm But, you know, he's not viewing this creature as Lucy. He's viewing this creature as just an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that that's kind of sometimes where the deep gets into trouble is he assumes like, ha ha, there's a whale in the way. What are you going to (laughs) do? And so it's, but (sighs) I also don't think, you know, the Deep is ready to come back, clearly. Yeah. We see him, you know, spew some, you know, mm. therapy therapy talk to his fellow fellow Seven. Yeah, but he's got it's his no-tap
0: apology text.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's not, they're not ready. And I don't yeah. think they should have to be, but.
0: I don't think so either. And I don't think he's ready. I think he is closer to ready than he was. Mm-hmm. I do think he has made some important realizations but it doesn't feel genuine yet you know and i think you know and it kind of goes along with him underestimating how much people care about these whales is i think i don't know if i would call him a narcissist but i think he does not consider other people's feelings or he is not good at sharing emotional like reading the emotional room you know yeah um And I also think, like, we've been talking about his journey in every episode because he has not gone away for us. But for Starlight, this is the first time she's seen him since he had that it's not on porpoise apology. And, I mean, I don't blame her for being upset. And she, yeah, she doesn't owe him a space. She doesn't owe him Mm -hmm. her forgiveness,
1: you know. I just can't imagine, like, you're just... Go, you're doing your job, you're just going to work, and then you're like, you know, the person who assaults you walks in, like, yep. oh no, mm-hmm. just being caught off guard like that, and especially thinking, like, oh, hey guys, like, I've done a lot of work, I'm really sorry, I'm back,
0: right? Exactly, yeah, it's fine now, you know. And mm-hmm. I think to mm-hmm. his credit, he does say, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he it does seem like he understands at least on the surface, that according to the textbook, it will take Starlight longer to yeah. forgive him. Mm-hmm. But I still think he thinks he's done enough and that he she should have to work on forgiving him while he's part of the team, you know? Yeah. Because he his part is done. And mm-hmm. you hear Homelander say, oh, we'll get you back, buddy. And just, we know he's totally full of shit. And I mean, I don't know if he even knows. He's just saying that to get out of this conversation, you know? Yeah. But Deep takes that as a promise, as like, oh well, I'll I'll be back because it's exactly what he wants to hear. So but then here's the other moment that really like I think it's one of those lin- lynch linchpins is like his his uh his uniform is torn and I mean even just the tiniest bit of this gill, like it's not torn yes. very much. And no. he's like your gill is showing it's disgusting. Yeah, he calls it
1: disgusting. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and it just, I think, considering some other things we've seen from Homelander in this episode, I think that shows, you know, and right on the heels of Homelander being so supportive, what he is essentially telling Deep is. You got to be better. You've got to change fundamentally, change who you are, or change this unchangeable thing about yourself for me to accept you and love you. And you're never going to be able to do that. So you just got to put on a show. Because when he knows he's never going to be able to get rid of his gills, he just has to act better. Then mm-hmm. he starts acting and he starts putting on a show and he starts spouting this bullshit apology because he knows that's the way to get Homelander to give him this power back. And it's none of it's real,
1: you know? Yeah. It's just like such a like abusive language on the Mm -hmm. like on Homelander's part and just you have to think like all these years that the deep has been in the seven he's probably had these little comments from Homelander time and time again and whether or not Homelander actually believes it like I don't know like does he really think it's disgusting I don't know but he knows that it's a sensitive topic for the deep and it's like his way of manipulating and controlling the deep keeping him in his place Mm -hmm. so that he's never a threat to Homelander in any way, whether that's, like, a physical threat or a threat to his position and his superiority. And so it's just those little digs that he gets in to just, like, keep him in his place at all times. And that's... he Like, he's not even a member of the team, but, like, he can't right. resist. Can't yeah. resist.
0: And I think it's just a reflex for him. Like, I think that's yeah. just how he views interacting with people, you know? And yeah. always got to stay on top and always got to look for those little... You know, he's a very good... um He's like very emotionally unintelligent, but also very emotionally intelligent because he knows how to spot weakness and exploit yeah. it. And it's just, it is terrifying. Well, let's let's talk about more terrifying Homelander stuff because man, sure. this is this is a, a interesting episode for Homelander. We see more of him um, drinking milk, so which gross. I know, and it's just oh, like. Gosh. Villain milk, you know, it's like, like we were talking off air. Like when we hear somebody say you're the real heroes, that's like a big red flag. And I feel mm-hmm. like milk. Anybody who drinks milk now is,
1: yeah. You think about. I mean, I've seen this talked about before. It's like you think about all like in in movies and horror movies and stuff. Like all the characters that you see like drinking milk. Like none of them, it, it's never good.
0: No, it's never, never good. good. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, Corey will be mad, but I also don't like the Big Lebowski. And they drink some milk in that one, too. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it checks out. It's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, I Side note, I do like The Big Lebowski when uh, John Goodman is around. And then mm. as soon as he exits the scene, I'm like, let's fast forward until John Goodman comes back. Anyways, that if I didn't make a whole bunch of enemies <laughs> with that statement. Um, so we start with this perfect all-American breakfast. Becca is making pancakes. With Ryan, she's trying to play along. She's trying to give Homelander this really happy, like, m- like all-American apple pie kind of experience. Yeah. And, I mean, this is what he never got. So I can understand him wanting this. That doesn't... Right. Not excusing or saying Homelander's good, but, like, it's like he finally has the family he always wanted and he never had. It's just that he had to force it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's it's like he's unlocking this level of achievement that he's never Mm -hmm. been able to before you know and possibly never even imagined he could but now that it's here he's like like just actually savoring it for what it means and how it looks and everything and this i think yeah it's like there's part of him that i think is I, i i genuinely believe this like Means something to him, and that he's savoring this in a really personal way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And it's like when you see him kind of interacting with Madeline, and and you think that he he finally feels like he has made a human connection with somebody. Yeah. Um, and, but I just I don't think he realizes how terrified people are of him, or he can't let go of the need that for them to be afraid of him. You know. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, I mean, you know, there are other superheroes that could easily kill people. Like, Starlight could kill people probably as easily as Homelander. Not, like, with the blink of her eyes. But, like, she's got that power, too. But people are right. still able to be human with her. Um, and then just to, Man, I was thinking about Ryan. This poor kid. Like, to be stuck in that is just... Oh, and he knows it's supposed to be a performance, you know, it's like there's a piece of him that knows what his dad wants Mm -hmm. and is just trying to give it to him. But also he's like, this is so brand new. And he's like, I would say he's probably nine or 10, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, and like the moment, like you see him and Becca, like trying to have like this moment of normalcy and they're, you know, oh, we on Mondays, we have breakfast in Espanol. Mm -hmm. This tradition that they've established between the two of them and like in seconds, Homelander shuts it down.
0: Yeah. He's like, oh, that's stupid.
1: It's stupid. Why would you need to speak Spanish? Mm. That was your thing. This is a new regime, right? Like just immediately, you know, unvalidates everything that Becca and him have done, even though like if if homelander had just accepted that for a moment it actually probably would have gone a lot further mm-hmm. if he had joined in and shown that he wants to be like actually wants to be a part of this family mm-hmm. but he doesn't he just shuts it down he, and i think by doing that made a really definitive statement that he's not actually interested in becoming a part of the family they have he's basically wanting to make a completely new family and undoing, like, yeah, he's nine, the last yeah. nine years that him and Becca have had together. Yeah. I mean,
0: well, it's not, because it's not about him being a part of the family. It's about the family pleasing him, you know? Yes. And And it's such, like, patriarchal energy. It's like, this family exists to show what a great dad I am, not yeah. I exist to support this family. And, like, because I think about there's another character in the episode when Frenchie wants to learn Kamiko's sign language like that is him wanting to understand her and wanting to communicate with her because he cares about her and I think this is the opposite and it's so like you know as a woman I'm sure you've dealt with that like you spend all this time trying to construct something and figure something out and build it in a way that works and you're troubleshooting and you're trying to figure out the way to go forward, and then some man comes in with a whole bunch more power, and it's just like, "Nah, we're doing it my way," and their way oh, sucks, yeah. you know. Because mm-hmm. you considered uh, their way, and then you thought through it, and you're like, "No, no, no, I have a better idea," you know. Yeah, and you can't say anything yeah. about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might have happened recently <laughs> to me at work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, all too familiar. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I can't. I can't believe. So then he immediately takes him out and takes him on the roof. Mm. And Homelander just can't let it go that Ryan is telling him, like, I don't have any powers. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Mm -hmm. pushes him off the roof. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, he doesn't know
0: if he has powers. Like, we've seen the glow in his eyes. And he knows that, like... He just assumes that because Ryan has his son, he's going to be able to do everything that Homelander can do, but we know that that's not how Compound V works, or at least we don't know for sure that it is, you know? Right.
1: Which is why it's kind of, like, so interesting, because, I mean, I guess... I mean, Homelander knows the background of Compound V, Mm -hmm. but he just assumes that... It's like he can't accept that maybe it's not going to be passed down. Yeah. However, I guess in his defense so i guess we find out (laughs)
0: that that ryan
1: that ryan actually does have some powers of some sort
0: (laughs) he does yeah and i think like homelander doesn't care like he doesn't care if ryan dies because he threw him off the roof because he'll just you know now that he knows he can make a kid he can go make another kid you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah we find and it's so interesting how this plays out you know because Homelander is getting very like aggressive with Becca and she's kind of standing up for herself as much as she can Uh while still like staying alive to protect Ryan. And then Ryan's eyes glow and he pushes Homelander. And it's like, I think this moment for Homelander is, is so is a turning point because I think it really hurts him too. But then he also, I think he wants credit for like, bringing these powers out in his son but like the son he hates him now he, and he screams i fucking hate you and storms yeah. off and and the next scene we see is him like tearing up with mave and i think i don't know it's him figuring out that yeah having kids is hard you know and you can't just be an asshole all day and expect them to love you because you you know gave squirted some sperm out of your fucking penis sorry
1: yeah. <laughs> i i also think it's because like the seven homelander is top dog, right? Yeah. And so for him, that's like a comfortable place to be and have mm-hmm. all these people around you that accept that and understand that. And it's just kind of like a non negotiable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's ever, you know, while there are some things going on behind the scenes. Nobody's cares really, at least at this point in time, mm-hmm. to challenge Homelander as being kind of the number one soup in the world. Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying to do that. So for him, the seven is a comfortable place to be, whereas he's having a little bit more time adjusting to dad life, it seems, and mm-hmm. just nothing but pushback. So even while that is technically, I guess, his actual blood family, he's not getting the same feedback
0: yeah well and I wonder when the last time he was pushed was you know or last time he was startled you know and kind of taken aback um yeah so that's got you know he's not used to that he's used to just having unquestioned power all the
1: time you know um it was probably smart to leave at that point because yeah because <laughs> he's been hanging out with them for a while i don't know exactly how long he's been hanging out with them but for a minute mm-hmm. and now it's like he made up his point like okay right rain you do have powers becca he does have powers you were wrong i was right Mm -hmm. see you guys later i made my point i'm sure that story's not over but it is for the moment he's going to give them some space and finally goes back and has found out that the world is falling apart
0: yeah yeah well okay so let's move into let's talk about uh well she's on our let's pop over to our spice girls and let's talk about Maeve because i was really interested in this conversation between Maeve and Homelander and I want to talk about Maeve a little bit later so let's put a pin in Maeve on her own but this conversation what do you make of this conversation with Maeve and Homelander and what do you think it is that he's actually upset about here
1: him and Maeve their history is so fascinating to me because it's so vague it's all just like yeah it's all just like these little bits of conversation but I feel like they have an understanding Mm-hmm. It seems like they come from, like, a different era of soups, mm-hmm. right? When these these soups were kind of coming up in the world and establishing the seven, and they, they have such a deep history and an understanding. And even though they might not actually like each other, I think there's a lot of respect there in a really weird way. I think so, too. And yeah. I think that's probably the closest that he's ever been to, like, having a really genuine relationship. Mm-hmm. And having somebody in his life that cares about him. Because I do think that if it came down to it and Homelander was in a situation where he needed Maeve's help, she would probably help him. Yeah. Like, that's the impression that I get. And I, I actually think it would go both ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's a lot of people that Homelander would do that for. Her. So it's interesting to see them together because there's so much tension there. But also, like, a weird, like, really deep love and Like, in a different way in their own way I feel like
0: well it's like when you've been through so much together and you've seen things change so much like I think about like the people at my company that got hired on the same day as me and like Mm. the overturn that we've seen going and we're the ones who are like oh we remember when it was this and even if you don't like each other like that shared memory I think is still powerful and I agree with you I think if it came down to one or the other Both of them would kill each other in a heartbeat if they could. But I think when the stakes are lower or when, you know, I do think that they would help each other out. Because I do think there's part of them that generally cares. I think you're right. Um,
1: I think that they also realize probably that this is the end of an era. Like now that this information is out there, nothing is ever really going to be the same. And their position as sort of the king and queen of the soups is going to shift in one way or another. They're not going to be looked at the same way, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's – I i was about to move on from Homelander, but that's another element to this episode that I wanted – I think we should talk about is his, like, rousing speech at the end. And he – I feel like he is fairly sympathetic compared to a lot of other shit we've seen him do in this episode. Because, I mean, he obviously knew about Compound V. He knew he was raised in a lab. He knew his whole story is bullshit. But I think he can see how it affects the team. And I think he mm-hmm. can see – This is a turning point for them too. now they have more power and he is able to really kind of corral them. And that's him really using that kind of power for I don't know if this is technically good, but in this fishbowl situation, it is good, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, just because the information about how they got these powers has changed publicly and and everything doesn't take away their powers. Mm hmm. Like they still have them. Right. Don't forget yeah. that you are still a superhero. Mm. And with that comes a lot of options and opportunities. And just because this is the way it has been done doesn't necessarily mean that's what we have to do moving forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about, let's talk, let's go to Mr. Edgar next because he is, it's interesting to see him on his heels in this episode too. And like he, Danes to come down to where the riffraff seven meet. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> although I think their floor is actually higher than his. But um, yeah, he's coming out of his um, his presidential suite. Yeah, and he's making this bullshit statement nobody believes, um, and he gives this speech about. Compound V he said and you can tell like we see the stock prices plummet and we see like the team of lawyers and PR people and they're trying to figure out what to do because of course they knew about this we knew and they knew it was probably going to break at some point too and -hmm. it surprises me that they didn't have more of a strategy planned I guess they didn't think it was going to happen this soon but it seems like there's one choice and or there's two choices and he takes the choice of denying blaming madeline giving some thoughts and prayers and distracting the world with a super terrorist which you know it seems like something we've seen before in real life
1: i know Mm. which was wild i'm not surprised they took that route it it is pretty convenient i guess like oh Mm -hmm. well this you know madeline can't really come back and refute right Mm -hmm. you know blame it on a person who can't defend themselves and perfect
0: scapegoat you know
1: Yeah. And behind the scenes, they can just stack the deck against her reputation, which is so sad because you think her son is still out there. He's just a baby, but Mm -hmm. her son. So her son is going to grow up just thinking the worst things or hearing the worst things anyways about his mom. And that's that's bad, even though I think she I mean, she did know about it in some capacity, but I don't think she was the mastermind behind it all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just continue to love John carl Esposito. He's just so perfect in this role. He's so
1: calm. hmm Like, just yeah. the way he's able, like, even when those people are like, make a decision, which one is it going to be? He's just, mm-hmm. like, doesn't, just, like, show a shed of insecurity about what he's going to do. He's just like, I'll make a decision when I'm good and ready. Even though on the inside, I'm sure he's like, shit. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Yeah. But we don't ever see that inner trauma because he knows that that is his greatest weakness is staying calm and always appearing to have the upper hand in every situation. You know, even though he's like a I'm sure he's pretty strong as a human being. But like, you know, but he is the most powerful person in that building. And you can see the soups are afraid of him. Although I do think Homelander is gained some ground over him in this episode, which I think is interesting. Um, I want to talk about A-Train. Yeah, the man, his story. I just let it keeps getting deeper, you know, because we see him having some heart trouble. Yeah, and but then I think what I really want to talk about is this conversation he has with Annie, which mm-hmm. I think is so interesting because he knows about Compound V. He knows Annie probably leaked it he does cover for her at the end which i think is is i makes me love him but i also know how self-serving that is you know cuz yeah she's going to bring him down too but he makes i think what i would call the right decision there um but he says like you never fuck with the money we're going to lose everything and then he starts listing yeah essentially what the writers guild like producers would be losing right now like boats and houses and blah 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 but yeah. then he says like the people that say money doesn't matter are the people that grew up with money, you know? And I think that really kind of shows you where he's coming from. And we've heard a little bit about the neighborhood that we grew up in, but I think it it really kind of paints a picture of, like, why he is terrified of losing his position because he knows what he's going to go back to, you know?
1: Yeah, it's just that that privilege mm-hmm. that that Starlight has had I don't think she's necessarily had it pointed out that way, mm-hmm. whereas she doesn't care about the beautiful apartment or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. She knows that she, like she would be happy to go back to a normal life, but I don't think she fully realizes what that would mean for A-Train and what having somebody like A-Train in the seven means and having that all taken away. It's not just A-Train that would be losing out. Mm-hmm. It's... I mean, just the ripple effect of that would be huge, and you know, his even outside of his own family. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that was something that she had considered before, because she was. I mean, and you, I, you can't necessarily blame her because that's not her experience. But I don't think it, she had fully tracked the ramifications like that.
0: Yeah. Well, because we know how she felt when she found out. And Mm -hmm. now every soup in the world is now going through that. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what I think is so interesting about this and why I wanted to talk about that first is because I really feel like it is a uniting thing for the soups, even though they're like some of them are on the good list and some of them are on the bad list. They are all really feeling this like betrayal,
1: you know, from
0: their parents, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, and then like what happens, we've seen all these like B and C list mm-hmm. soups, right? Like, what does this mean for them? Like, yeah. not everybody is in the seven. There's plenty of soups that have made, you know, smaller careers at that, you know, some at the hands of their superpowers. And it's like, well, now what? Like, it, right. you know, maybe that's going to change for them and maybe they're not, but... What about those guys, you know? Yeah. What about the geckos?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And while I don't think what Annie did was wrong, I think it's another right. thing on the show that it there's not a right and wrong cut and dry answer. It's like everything, every good thing you do has some bad side effects and every bad thing you do does mm-hmm. some good to someone, you know? Yeah um let's what do you you make about his heart condition I don't know how much there is to say about that but it just it's it's
1: interesting Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see him not doing anything about it you know anybody yeah like he was in the hospital and basically had a heart attack like you would think that you would go and get that checked out and it's not Mm -hmm. like you haven't been in the hospital recently and you know managed to keep that Out of the public eye and stuff and i just it just shows the lengths that he's willing to go to as something as serious as like clear heart problems yeah still not going and getting help or talking to anybody else about it trying to hide it and i'm gonna go out on a limb i'm no doctor but i'm gonna guess that problems like that don't just go away
0: yeah they don't like mend on their own you know Hmm. And I wonder if I don't know if I would go so far as to call this passive suicidal actions, but like, mm. I wonder if there is part of him that's like, I, I would rather just die than get kicked out of the seven, you know, so yeah, or, going here, you know,
1: or, or publicly have it revealed in some sense that he's no longer physical superior or is mm. having medical issues and having to admit to that in a public setting, I think would be really hard for him.
0: Yeah, not only is he not chosen by God, but also like he's losing his powers, you know. Yeah. And and he knows Compound V is not going to help him. You know, that's yeah. that, that's going to hurt him. So, yeah. Oh, A train. Want to give one more shout out to Ashley um, before <laughs> we move on to the lady of the hour. It's time to talk about Stormfront, and I will tell you I had her on the Spice Girls list. At the beginning of this episode, not Mm -hmm. because I, I, you know, I knew how this was going to shake out, but I didn't want to spoil it for you. And so I, I would love to hear your reaction to Stormfront in this episode.
1: Yeah, it was wild how quickly I 180'd on her Mm -hmm. (laughs) because at the beginning, you know, that scene with like the, the movie guy pitching them a movie, (laughs) Uh which I. Love. Oh yes, I've and got some
0: more thoughts on that.
1: <laughs> loved it, and mm-hmm. her basically pointing out the uh, the very shallow female characters uh-huh. and oh, that kind oh, of oh, stuff. But Rachel, he's got sisters. How dare you! I, I, so <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: then, only had a nickel.
1: <laughs> yep. And then with Annie, she definitely steps in and has her back with the deep. And yep. That's kind of a support that she obviously didn't really get with Maeve in quite the same way as openly, but you know, Stormfront. Yeah, but Stormfront just very boldly basically tells the deep off in a bit. But then she turned, and the thing is, I felt like I was like, I knew it was coming. Yeah. She's too good to be true. And lo lo and behold, not so good. Not only did she, um, kill a bunch of civilians Mm -hmm. with seemingly no regard didn't have to i don't think like didn't have to no
0: they were just making noise around her
1: yep just kind of seized the opportunity i guess Mm -hmm. and um this is while pursuing Kamiko's brother and um but not only does she kill those people and destroy him she takes a lot of pleasure in it Mm -hmm. oh Oh yeah, and she's also le- also racist. Yep.
0: Super <laughs> racist cuz did you notice there weren't any white people in that building that she killed and destroyed?
1: So. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah.
0: It was a I think it was a I don't know oh. if it was government housing, but it was I think lower income housing.
1: Yeah, not 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 good. Yeah, but she- I mean, like the lightning, like the, like actually seeing her power was kind of cool to be like, "Oh, this is what she's got to work with." Mm-hmm. But then how she used it Not good.
0: But man, this villain reveal is like perfection because you just hear hey guys and then like it's legit that she would be chasing them the whole seven Mm -hmm. is chasing Mm -hmm. this but then to see how nasty she gets and when she like comes out of the wall and she's walking down the hallway and like you can hear the music building it's just it's so well shot it's so well acted and then to see how well she can play this innocent victim and knowing what is behind her like she says I like to see the light go out before saying a very racist thing,
1: and Mm -hmm. then killing
0: Kamiko's brother. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, I have her stuff in good category and bad
1: category. (laughs) Which is, like, so interesting. I'm Mm -hmm. so torn or kind of confused about her because it's, like, is all of that performative? Is Mm -hmm. she really playing a character when it comes to that stuff? Because it does feel so natural. I... I, I don't know why I'm having, like, a hard time reconciling that somebody could be, <laughs> you know, a strong feminist <laughs> yeah, and also severely racist <laughs> and terrible. Mm-hmm. And I guess those two things can exist.
0: They can, and they do.
1: <laughs> and they I do. It, yeah. I guess I'm just curious. I've, I'm, I'm curious to find out whether or not that is the case, mm-hmm. whether she is actually kind of that strong, badass, feminist person. Who's also happens to be racist, or if it's kind of just a performative thing. Mm-hmm. it Does she really have these feelings about Vought that she was talking about in the last one with, you know, Starlight and stuff and just not wanting to, like, kowtow to them and we don't have to do everything they say. Like, who cares if they're listening? Whatever. Yeah. Like, fuck them. Is that performative or is that just an act so that she can get away with these kind of acts through, you know, by using her powers? Yeah. And I think... But I do think that Homelander is also trying to figure some of this out and trying to figure her out because she is clearly something to be reckoned with that I don't think he has encountered before.
0: I don't think so either. And it's, uh, you know, just the fact that she would say, you snooze, you lose, you know, when he could easily just kill her. You know, I think it's kind of that moment when he realizes, oh, this is somebody else who who understands me and are they going to steal my spotlight they know how to be what I am and maybe she knows how to do it better because she is up to date with like Twitter and um, Instagram and you know I think I don't know I'm showing my own age right there but like (laughs) you know she knows how to do this in a way that is playing to the crowds right now and I think that is something that he can do well but I don't know what he's going to do now that it's not this chosen by God thing you know I think that threw him, too.
1: It's interesting because I don't necessarily... Like, Homelander loves a spotlight. He loves mm-hmm. to be the number one guy in the group, right? Like, he likes to be that dude. Uh-huh. But I, I'm not convinced that he likes killing people. Like, I don't know if he enjoyed, like, getting a thrill out of that. Yeah. I don't think he's afraid to kill people, especially yeah. if it's a means to an end. He's going to take the, the most effective, you know, shortest route from point a to point b but stormfront i think there's a level of enjoyment she's getting out of this and that's that's pretty terrifying so by her saying like oh you snooze you lose it's not just the fact that she collared this criminal that was wanted and gets to claim that it's also that she was able to get away with all this other chaos and doing it in such a brutal way And I'm not necessarily sure that Homelander shares that. And I think that he recognizes that in her, though, seeing that, like, oh, this girl, this girl's crazy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I think for him, a lot of it is about, I think he wanted the collar. He wanted the credit. Right. And he likes showing his power. I think he likes doing the thing that he's good at. And that just happens to be destroying people and things. and. You know, but yeah, I think you're right. We have not really seen him delight in killing people in the way we saw Stormfront delight in killing. Yeah, you Kamiko's know, brother, which oh, so sad.
1: But yeah. yeah, she's
0: a. But I love the way this episode ends with like Kamiko just like glaring at her and Homelander doing the same thing,
1: and it's, it's
0: going to be interesting to see what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my note. Kamiko's pissed. Uh huh. <laughs> she has every right to be
0: absolutely yeah and she saw the whole thing too you know and to watch Mm, this mm -hmm. bullshit and to watch them blame all of these deaths on her brother when she knows that
1: Stormfront is really the one who caused it all is just it's which will be interesting because Kamiko has clearly you know had some communication barriers that she's Mm -hmm. been working to overcome and now it's like oh she's got some She's got some tea to spill, like she's got some info that nobody else has outside of Homelander. And so, yeah. how is 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 she going to communicate that? Is she going to share that? Is she going to keep that to herself? Yeah, we'll see. That's what she a does good with it.
0: point because I just assumed because Kamiko knows, and we see her sitting with all the boys that they know, but mm-hmm. they she can't tell them.
1: You know, she can or, tell or them. Is, yeah, choosing not to.
0: Yeah, or is choosing not to. But I think she could tell them that um stormfront killed her brother i think she could get that across to them but i don't think she could tell them the nuance of what happened and -hmm. how awful this person is um although you know they already hate soup so i think you know they would assume that she sucks
1: yeah they're gonna they're gonna assume the worst (laughs) they are yeah
0: especially butcher well -hmm. and speaking of let's move into our spice girls uh category which is when we talk about our good guys um, are a good boys. Let's talk about Kamiko. As we learn a little bit more about her in this episode through her brother, whose name I can never seem to remember. I think I want to say it's like Kenji.
1: Oh, yes, Ken Kenji.
0: Kenji. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, we got it. It's Kenji. Thank you, Rachel. Um so we learn quite a bit about her through Kenji. We learned that the last time she talked was the night her parents were murdered and she was kidnapped and taken to the camp with her brother. And we learned that they were essentially like isolated for years, which oh, it just sounds so awful, but that's why they have such a strong bond. And so I can't imagine how hard it is for her cuz what it, what it, what does she think is going to happen? She knows they're going to torture him. She knows they're going to probably kill him and she can't stop it. You know?
1: Yeah, and she well, and they they developed a, their own language together. I think is what mm-hmm. he was trying to explain to Frenchie. So it's not just you know some familiar language that <laughs> Frenchie could learn. Yeah, it's not American Sign, or, sign you know, Language or, like, or Japanese yeah, it,
0: Sign Language. I was wondering if it was if that was what it was last week. Yeah,
1: it was like their their own kind of communication, own sibling communication that they made, and just. I just, like, she's seen so much, and that's why I'm wondering, like, if she's actually going to tell anybody, because this is a person that's already seen everybody in her family now murdered by Mm -hmm. somebody else, Mm -hmm. and that's just so sad.
0: (laughs) It is so sad for her, and I think what Kenji does, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit later when we talk about kind of the end of this episode, but just to see this relationship come to an end like this, I think is so heartbreaking, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But this episode starts on a low note too. It starts with um, Huey. And I, I don't know about you, but I started this episode and I had to like do a double take and pause it to see if I was actually on the episode because <laughs> it starts with a Billy Joel video. <laughs> and then just Huey, I love that this is his happy place.
1: <laughs> yeah, it I this video so the song is you're only human and this video is dark mm-hmm. and the lyrics are dark but the music is not and it's just like i can see why huey would be listening to this you know it's mm-hmm. bas- you know it's talking it's like the whole song is just talking about you know when you're literally thinking about ending it all and Mm -hmm. just how when everything's going wrong but yet you know don't beat yourself up too bad because you're only human and like you can come back from it and when you do you're gonna feel a lot better and that's where Huey is like he's at rock bottom I think Mm -hmm. yeah like just like a limited amount of hope and feeling very directionless so you know if it takes Billy Joel to kind of like keep you from fully jumping off that ledge, like, Hey, more power to you, whatever it takes.
0: Yeah. When you would rather sit inside the guts of a whale and wait for certain death, that's, (laughs) that's pretty low, you know?
1: (laughs) just like, I'm good. Just, just leave me here.
0: (laughs) Which I love the way this scene plays out too. And I want to talk about M.M. in a bit, but I think what's interesting here is that the way well, there's a lot that's interesting. But, like, the way Annie factors into this, you know, because I think they haven't had a whole lot of contact. Yeah. And I think he is still really holding on to this relationship that I think he thinks still exists. And I think it does. I think we can see from Annie's side that it does, too. But then when he sees her and she is not able to reciprocate and they they can't have this moment where they run and hug. And I feel like... That, to me, would be a gut punch. And that's, well, yeah. she was my second wind, and now I don't even have her. She's about to kill me. And mm-hmm. then to find it from Butcher, I think, is such a sweet moment between the two of them, you know?
1: Yeah, especially when he thinks that there's no real connection between him and Butcher, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think Huey is part of the reason why, I mean, he's got a lot of reasons to be mad at Butcher. But yeah. Yeah. I think part As of the reason. most people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think part of the reason why he's so like upset about it and just, I mean, we, we see him getting that fight and I knew it was coming. It's like, sometimes you just got to like fight it out. But yeah,
0: that's what boys do.
1: I know. That's what boys do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just got to like get it out of your system. And boys will be boys. I like, know. You gotta I pu- mean, gotta you know, punch sometimes I out. just need
0: to go punch somebody and you know, it's fine. I'm kidding. Yeah. Girls don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So I think that he thought like him and Butcher were really like, this is done. I'm not sure what I'm going to do because what I like, I thought this group of guys was going to be my salvation or my reason to keep going on and my new motivation. And it's not. At least that's what he thinks. And Mm -hmm. then to see MM make that, you know, extension and even Frenchie, they both kind of have his back. And then finally Mm -hmm. to see Butcher be the one that ultimately does literally reach out his hand and save him. I don't think he was expecting that. And I think in that moment, he kind of is like, okay, I see what Emma and Frenchie are kind of talking about.
0: Yeah. And I see why they keep coming back to
1: Yeah. Like now it makes sense. Like, this is just, this is our relationship and I either have to accept it or move on. And I think in that moment he chose to kind of accept it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for him too, maybe it's a moment. Of like, you cannot rely on one single person to yeah care to be your second wind. Like I remember a long time ago when I was when I was just a baby in therapy, um, I had this realization that my happy place could not involve another person, like my mental happy place, because if I happened to be in a distressing situation without that, ha- that happy person or that person, I didn't have a safe space, you know. And yeah, I think yeah. he's kind of seeing like it can't just be Annie. You've got to have more people. And I think that's why M.M. and Frenchie are able to kind of take Butcher with a grain of salt when they need to, because Frenchie's got Kimiko and and, M.M. -hmm. uh, has, you know, this relationship. He can't see his wife and daughter, but they have other pieces of their life. And I think uh, Huey had Robin and she had Annie. And now I think, and he had Annie, And I think now he's seeing okay, well, I can have them too and they can, they can be my second wind and I can open up with them and, you know.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, just finding that, that home and yeah, multiple places and not having to put all of his, all of his eggs in the Annie basket that there can be because she can't always like she's in a tough situation like what is right. she supposed to do like exactly. she literally can't give Huey everything that he wants at all times like she's walking a really dangerous tightrope as well so to see Butcher kind of carry that weight a little bit too was really sweet yeah
0: yeah and i think it's good let's talk about butcher next i i love when huey punches butcher and ends up hurting himself more <laughs> than butcher it's just such a sweet little moment for Huey mm-hmm. I Love Him. But I think Butcher really kind of grows a lot. Or he comes to some important realizations in this episode. Um, because he could have just walked away. He yes. did not have to save Huey. He made the choice to do that. And he mm-hmm. made the choice to let uh, Kenji go. Because he needed Kenji to help stop uh, Homelander. Um but he begins by telling Mallory Grace Mallory, who I don't know if there's much to say about her, except just to be kind of the conduit of some of this, yeah, or the the driving force. But she, he tells her, like I'll I'll kill Kamiko if I have to, you know, like this is the most important thing to me. And Frenchie hears that, and I don't know if Kamiko does, but Frenchie does, and you can see Frenchie the does. look in his eyes, you know, like yeah, you tell it her. Excuse what you me, mean. yeah. yeah. I don't know if he would, though. Actually, I, I don't I, know.
1: Yeah. Because he wasn't he hasn't been around her as much. So it makes sense that he would be like less connected to her. He hates but... all
0: soups, too, I think. Like he would tell himself he is ridding the world of another superhero, you know?
1: But, yeah.
0: But again, like, yeah, I don't know if he would actually if if it really came down to it and he had to kill Kamiko. I don't know if he would.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, M.M., says like Huey's your canary which I think is so interesting.
1: I I think that and the reason why Huey is that canary is just because he hasn't been in this lifestyle as long as Frenchie and M.M. and while they are you know wonderful human characters Huey is like so much more grounded Mm -hmm. and relatable and from the real world right and so if this guy is you know, dying, (laughs) basically Mm -hmm. the canary in the coal mine comparison, right? Like if that canary is at the end of his rope and ends up dying, then you've gone too far. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Butcher had really thought about it that way Mm -hmm. and thought about him fully as a member of the team. And that if I lose him, like, you know, is the rest going to fall apart? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting way to look at Harry. It's just kind of the the reality check for the team to know, like, okay, we've gone. This is too much, too far.
0: Yeah, we can't come back from this. Because I think if he loses, what M.M. is really saying in this moment, I think, is if you lose Huey, you've lost the part of yourself that is still human, you know. Yeah. And you may not have superpowers, but you are just like them. And I think there's still part of Butcher that doesn't want to be that because Mm -hmm. I think he sees Huey care about other people and want to keep making things better and seeing that, you know, and Butcher fucks a lot of things up, you know, as much as, like, he is a a great leader, he also is the reason that all of this shit fell apart because he stole this boat, you know? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I don't know if there was a better way out of that situation, but, like, he, I think he's just realizing that he needs more people. He needs more people, too. You know, Becca can't be his reason for being because he's just life just not like that you know
1: yeah he needs to go back and listen to his own spice girl speech right exactly. they're, they're mm-hmm. stronger together nobody yeah. cares about their solo careers you got to stay together
0: <laughs> exactly but i think he is just kind of on this kamikaze mission to just kind of go as like Burst Kool-Aid man through as many doors as he can. And it does. As many matter. whales. Ex- yeah, smash <laughs> through as many whales. Yeah. Which man, only butcher would drive a boat through a whale, you know. Oh, yeah. Ugh. So gross. <laughs> but that moment when he reaches, I think that's a big turning point in their relationship. And uh, you know, I'm interested to talk about where it goes. hmm Um, we already talked about uh, Kamiko i wrote swoon because oh man like i don't know i have a thing for like (laughs) love interest brothers and like the boyfriend talking to the brother and i know that they're not a couple but they kind of are
1: but Um, he like genuinely cares about her so much like he's willing like he wants to communicate with her he wants to learn her language like can you teach me like he's not putting it all on Kamiko to be the one communicating like he's willing to come to her and it's just it's just so sweet and that accent doesn't hurt either
0: oh my god I know that accent is just (laughs) oh he's so sweet
1: yeah and I mean
0: Kenji essentially gives himself up I mean he is trying to escape but he doesn't have to help them but I think he does because I think he really believes Frenchie that like mm-hmm. I really do care about your sister and yeah. I think he can see that Kamiko feels safe at least with Frenchie and MM and Huey um if not Butcher but yeah yeah well let's talk we've already talked about um I don't think there's anything else to say about Ryan other than just I'm impressed with this child actor and, yeah, Frenchie, let's move on from Kamiko. I want to talk about M.M., again, just the unsung hero of the episode, I think. I love when he goes into the whale and waits for Huey, knowing how germophobic he is. Like, what mm-hmm. a huge sacrifice that is for him. And he's like, if you're not leaving, I'm not leaving, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, earlier on the boat, too, Just it's just so sweet when... They both have Huey's back basically mm-hmm. when they find out when the news breaks and they find out that Huey was part of it. Even though, like, because I don't, right, they don't know necessarily that he's been communicating with Starlight yeah. and that they've been kind of like working on this, you know, B plot behind everybody's back. But mm-hmm. when they find out it's him, like they're, they support him. And even when Butcher is up, you know, upset about it or taking a you know taking away huey's thunder basically Mm -hmm. or diminishing what he's done it's really nice to see them be like no dude like this is amazing you did good like don't listen to him he's just being a bitter betty (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah and i think part of that is because like he is pinning all of his hopes of getting becca back by delivering the soup and this whole news breaking throws a wrench in that. And he's like, mm-hmm. Do, is my deal still on? Do they even still care about this? And I think by the end of the episode, you know, this is something I want to talk about in our themes. But I think he lets go of this determination to save Becca at all costs and starts to, you know, see the people around him more.
1: Yeah. Like, and, the, and just that maybe there's, okay, there are other elements at play here Mm -hmm. and other things that people care about other than just supporting my singular mission at all time and maybe there's room where we can we can allow other missions to take place and pursue multiple avenues at the same time
0: exactly a rising tide lifts all boats Yes. (laughs) you know? Yes. <laughs> but I also think it's just a reaction for him, too, of like, oh, oh somebody, yeah, oh, I'm sure you fucked it up, you know. I got yes. my little witty comeback.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, okay. I want to talk about Maeve, and then I want to talk about some themes. This is an interesting episode for Maeve, and there's a moment when she looks at A-Train, and she can tell that something is up with him, yeah. and it's so sweet and you get
1: the sense that she really cares about a train, you know? Yeah. She's yeah. Cause he's just sitting there sweating profusely yeah. yeah. and, but yet nobody else is saying anything. She's the one to be like, uh, dude, right. What the fuck?
0: Right. Well, and like, I, I can't remember how much of this has been revealed at this point. That's not a major spoiler, but we've seen her drunk And we know, Mm -hmm. you know, she struggles a little bit with, or she, I think she uses alcohol to kind of mask some of her feelings. And so when A-Train said had a big night last night, I think there's part of her that kind of clocks that as like, something is up, you know, and and it's like an addict knows an addict, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of the moment that I see between them. And it just makes me love her so much.
1: Yeah. And letting him know that she's paying attention i think too just like all right i'm gonna keep my eye on you don't think that you're getting away with this and that nobody's noticing
0: yeah but not like homelander like cover your gills up like hey are you okay you know and i think that lays the groundwork for a train to i just we just see a train be so human in this episode you know Mm -hmm. it's
1: really interesting Um, i loved seeing Maeve's dad who apparently possibly like works at taco bell or (laughs) owns a taco bell he's got a taco bell shirt on (laughs) but also like how brutal like this news breaks and then so not only do you find out this you know pretty life-changing information about Mm -hmm. who you are as a human um Mm -hmm. slash soup and just that you just see your parent or like a family member just on the news mm. talking about it like oh cool blatantly awesome. lying too yeah you know? yeah Oof, not good yeah.
0: and it just i think shows what she has come from you know like because we've seen annie's mom and we've heard about a train's upbringing and we've seen homelanders and just to know like the kind of situation she came from i think it's just it's sad in a mundane way that is still really sad and depressing yeah. And also shows you why she would be hard to connect with other people, you know.
1: I guess I didn't think about this with A-Train. So, I mean, because all these parents kind of knew, right? And they were mm-hmm. compensated in some ways. And just, like, how different that story is with, like, A-Train. Yeah. And just, like, the position that his parents were put. It's kind of like the that one of the Purge movies. I can't even remember which one. Like, well, the one that's, like, the first Purge, I think. Mm-mm. When it's, like, they go to, like certain neighborhoods and stuff to offer people this money. And yeah. just, it's like, well, you know, I need that. And like, that will benefit so many of us. So we're going to sign our, you know, sign on the dotted line to participate in this thing, even if it's maybe not going to end up being the greatest thing, but because of, of, what it could mean yeah. for the future and how it can benefit them. And I don't think, I mean, clearly we see that. You know, Maeve and A-Train kind of come from very different backgrounds than Starlight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It reminds me kind of of like the book, The Running Man, you know, where it's mm. like these, they're from very, very poor um neighborhoods. And so yeah. they, he is essentially giving his life away so that his family can afford to right. go to the doctor, you know, not to spoil that book, but you know, <laughs> Um, and we also see her talk to elena and i you know there's not a whole lot more to say but i i think it just kind of enhances this elena storyline because we see her shut down when homelander asks they're having this really tender moment but she is Mm -hmm. still acting and i wonder how much homelander knows that you know
1: yeah yeah i don't know tbd there Yeah.
0: yeah and i think Part of him prefers it that way, you know? Like just cater to me. Just let me have my moment and you can feel however you want. I don't care as long as I feel this way. Yeah. You know? Um, all right. Well, let's move on to good versus evil. I wanted to talk about family in this episode, because I think there's a lot of like family tension here. So Kamiko is choosing her chosen family, which is the boys' team, over her brother. I think she thinks she's still going to be able to protect him, but she is. she's not letting him go. She's not running off with him. Butcher thinks he's going to choose Becca over the team, but he eventually ends up choosing the team or Huey over Becca because he gives up Kenji and he gives up mm-hmm. his uh, ticket um, with Mallory. And then we see this Homelander thing at the end where he is saying we are a superhero family and then contrasting that with the the family breakfast at the beginning. So there's this really interesting tension between like your blood family and your chosen family, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's. (laughs) It's just so interesting to see the different way that they all like handle this. Like, Like I think with Butcher, I think he finally realizes maybe maybe that like. Becca's okay right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I want her back. I don't know where she is. I need to get my way back to her. But clearly, like, she's safe-ish. Yeah, it's been
0: eight years, you know?
1: Yeah, and so, like, okay, I can have both. And I Mm think this is the priority. And I'm going to temporarily put that on pause to help my, you know, his found family that is helping him get his way back to his family Mm -hmm. and not that it has to be one or the other. Whereas, like, poor Kamiko, though, Mm. it has proven to be one or the other.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes, you know, it kind of puts her choice in really stark light. Um, And, it, you know, I don't know if there's really any answers here or if the show is really saying anything. It's just... You know, I love the the concept of a chosen family as somebody who's had a lot of issues with my own family. You know, I love, you know, I kind of view like my podcasting people mm-hmm. as like a little family, you know, and it's like this relationship that you build can really begin to feel like a family over time. And when yeah. you start trusting people and putting yourself out there in a way, then you become – a unit that you can really share a lot of love and connection with. And I think that's really sweet, you know, even when it's Homelander uniting the seven, but that is something that unites all of them that a lot of people in the world can't understand, you know?
1: I think it's also interesting, like the idea connected to the family, how they've kind of shown like the different origin stories and Mm -hmm. kind of the roots of all these people. And, but they've shown it like through this news that's breaking And just how even though they've clearly, all all these soups anyways, have in one way or another gone through the same thing of being made, not born, that that doesn't necessarily mean they're all coming from the same place and it's going to impact them all in the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and let's move on to talking about the first moment they became a family in a category (laughs) we call shock and awe. On Zimmer, this moment is one of my favorites that we have seen so far. It's when this guy that I've seen before and I cannot remember his name, but he's like Chef's Kiss, is walking through the storyboard. Ashley mm-hmm. is eating it up with a spoon, and everybody else is like,
1: oh, "Fuck, we've been through this again,
0: this again." Yeah, you know,
1: it's like rising music. Aww. I know,
0: Limonel Miranda. <laughs> It's just oh my god it's so fantastic it not only dates it in a very fun way but i mean you know that like kripke's been in some pitch meetings like that you know he's heard this shit before you know
1: oh my god he's done it so <laughs> he's done so many a superhero movies so mm. it's just it's, you know oh one of god. those meta things that transcends <laughs> the, the series and it's like oh wait yeah this is real life that's yeah. how this works and the fact that it's a prequel right isn't this like the this movie yeah. is like the origin of the 70s or of mm-hmm. the 70s of the seven and okay. how they how they decided to come together as a team and mm-hmm.
0: yeah oh. so cheesy too like i imagine watching this based on what he described and I'm like ugh, ugh. and i love yeah. seeing mave with like the illustration of Maeve with this like placid like grin on her face and then cut to actual mave like
1: it's just like whatever that's not how it happened but okay. exactly yeah like y'all hired
0: us it was an extensive interview process and you know mm-hmm. and they put a chip in us like that's not part of the the story um i i think we've talked we've talked about the whale for sure i want to mention the helicopter because this scene is very impressive <laughs> and like in another show that would be the big action moment of the scene but then they drive through the whale um And I just love, like, the fucking diabolical. That's, like, his little catchphrase of, like, that was pretty Mm -hmm. cool, you know?
1: Yeah. But they just, yeah, they kill that whole helicopter. Just Kamiko's brother just shoves it into the water, and they just take out, and you see poor Huey just, like, throw a little... Oh, no floaty i don't know what those are called but it's like the life
0: preserver thing yeah like yeah, maybe yeah. that help. Oh, yeah and i think that's part of like where he really gets to to rock bottom is when he's like oh that could really easily be me on this mission you know and and butcher would just keep going you know
1: yeah well and those are i mean that was nypd right like there yeah. were something like, they were they were police officers so just like all right we just killed a. A helicopter full of police officers. All right. No big deal. I guess we're just going <laughs> to keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: And I I think we've talked enough probably about Huey and Annie. Do you think that Annie would actually have killed him? And I'm not saying that she would have chosen to. But do you think yeah. she was going to?
1: I don't know. It felt like she was, like, would have. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like she would have. but like she was about to. Mm. I Yeah, I'm not sure. Or would have... Or would Homelander have done it if yeah. you know, in front of her? It seems like that would be more thing where she would be like, "No," because if he killed Starlight, the ramifications, or you know, would be oh, yeah. a lot bigger he than if Starlight. Yeah, yeah. and if... I
0: don't think he was going to, but because mm-hmm. I think he would want to see on her face, you know, mm-hmm. he would want to yeah. keep rubbing that in, you know. Yeah. What I love about this moment is um, the hands in the air, like you just don't care, like just that little. Moment, it's just what makes this show so perfect, you know,
1: because mm-hmm. that's the
0: kind of shit that goes through my head when somebody puts says, "Put your hands in the air." <laughs> yeah, and that lets you know that like you're you're with somebody who gets you, you know, like this is my kind of humor. That's all I have for shock and awe. Is there anything else you want to mention?
1: No, I mean all of that was yeah. The whale was wild. Um I liked Kamiko's brother's Spud Mackenzie shirt. <laughs> oh, I thought I didn't that even was cool. That. Oh, that's cool. You know, appreciate the decision there. And yeah, oh, Black Noir. Um, there's, I think it's when they're at the whale, and he sees the whale in the deep is talking about it or something, and then he like puts his hand on his heart. It's like, oh, oh, <laughs> like, like showing a little like sympathy and compassion, and it's just. Like, oh he's so funny and it doesn't Mm. take much he can do so much with so little i know and i just
0: i always want more you know Mm -hmm. yeah black noir fantastic all right well let's talk about or let's move into our next category which is choose your fighter this is our mvp of the episode so rachel who are you picking in this episode
1: Man, this was really hard because I feel like there's so much that's going on and there's mm. so many, like, wild things that happen. I think, ultimately... Oh, my gosh. I hate to say it, but I kind of like Stormfront because that was my biggest, like... Holy shit. hmm Like, full 180 in the character and the way that... It was pulled off and the way that it was shot and just like everything about it was, I was transfixed. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that is super fascinating and I can't wait to learn more about her and just like, I mean, everything is just wild. What's her name? Aya Cash, her performance, yeah. I think is terrifying. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Yeah.
0: I was going to pick her and I want to just for Mm. listeners like this is not our favorite or this does not mean we subscribe to anything that they're doing. Yeah. Pick villains often, but I, I was going to pick her. I think I'm going to pick a train Mm. because I think we just see so much depth with him in this episode. And I think he shows like faking confidence so well in this episode, but we can see how low he really is feeling. And Mm -hmm. I think he's just, he's given a really like kind of undervalued performance in this you know because he's not the most flashy character but he's got some really tough plot lines to pull off and i think he's doing them very well and for such a bad dude who's done so much bad shit like i love him and i really want for good things to happen to him you know and that's i think based on the strength of that performance Um, All right. Well, predictions. What do you think is going to happen next? And what are you excited
1: about? Okay. so Grace mentioned Liberty, a Liberty Mm -hmm. in kind of a sneaky way in reference to Stormfront. Um, I don't remember if Liberty has been mentioned before. If she has, I don't remember it. But anyways, I'm thinking that that may be a little foreshadowing into something. I'm not sure to what, but I can't wait to find out um so i wanted to make a note of that at this point um (laughs) eagle also drops the name alistair and his position as first chair in the church so i don't know if that means like he's a really good violin player or (laughs) like in the church choir but (laughs) i don't know you know what the fuck that means but i'm really just dying to find it out more of this weird side quest that the Deep is on (laughs) to find redemption through this Church of the Collective. Not sure what that means. But also Stormfront mentions it like, oh, that sounds like some Church of the Collective. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, what is this? Yeah, she knows. I don't know. Mm -hmm. She knows somehow about it. So we'll see what that means. And then um, I feel like this is just kind of the first wave of the fallout for Vought. So interested to see kind of where the chips ultimately fall now that people know that soups are indeed made, not born. Um, I also think that some conversations need to be had with some of these characters and I think they will happen Mm -hmm. Huey and Starlight I think need to like actually talk and not just leave weird voicemails on each other's phones and um, Stormfront and Homelander that's a thing I think that's gonna be a thing I'm not gonna say anything but
0: we're in for a great season (laughs) it's gonna get really good uh with multiple plot lines you just mentioned um all right well let's wrap up with some plugs um before like i immediately want to go watch the next episode now even though i know what's gonna (laughs) happen
1: um so rachel where can we find you online and what do you have coming up sure you can find me on instagram and threads at the vinyl girl g-r-r-r-l and um on all the other stuff at vinyl girl <laughs> um up on halloweenies we have been working our way through the child's play franchise so up next we um have got cult of chucky and then we get to enter into the tv show and i'm so excited because i actually really like the tv show Ooh, the I chucky too. tv show so and that'll not be super just cool.
0: because of Devin Sawa. <laughs> i mean that, that certainly
1: big, helps <laughs>
0: big big
1: part of it. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that'll be super fun over there.
0: Awesome. You can find me at Jen Feratu on various social places. You can find me co-hosting the White Ladies in Crisis podcast, and we are talking about physical, and the show is so good, and I want more people to watch it, even though it's ending. Anyways, um, you can also find me co-hosting Losers Club. We're about to cover Holly, and we got a lot of fun stuff coming up for spooky season in the middle of Under the Dome coverage right now and yeah so that's it for this episode on the girls on the boys it was a whale of a good time talking about this (laughs) r.i.p lucy um i want to give a huge thank you and shout out to the anatomy of a screen pod squad for hosting the show make sure to check out the other fantastic shows in their pod feed we will be back in your ears in two weeks to talk about the next episode which a title i did not look up Um, but it is episode four and yay. Nothing like it in the world. Nothing. Oh, that's it. Nothing like it in the world. Perfect. Thank you. And until then, remember you guys, you're the real heroes.
1: Scream Pod Squad.